shore where the mountains meet the sea in a clapboard shack by a broken down tree there's a light in the window just salty gals inside i'm not sure if they're witches but you know that's implied got the storytelling ego swelling pillow talking moonlight walking sea Hags podcast. I'm Chris Jeppa. Uh, and I'm Katie Norgren. And with us this week is a is a second time podcast guest, total babe. And finally, we have different hair. Woo-hoo! It's Red Heartbreaker. Hello. Hello. Welcome back, Red. It's Thank so nice you. to see you. It's so nice to be seen and to Better see Red that. than dead. Heck yes. That was my <laughs> first ever, my second ever email address. Better Red than dead? The first one was a big... The big red alicious. Oh God! Mine was K underscore nutty at hotmail.com because I'm like I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, legitimately, everyone did call me crazy, Katie, in my adolescence. I'm not that crazy. I'm like very medium crazy. (laughs) I was shorty underscore ninety nine. The ninety nine was for Wayne fucking Wayne (laughs) Gretzky. Were you super into hockey? No, not really. I was into that he was Polish. That's that's why our family loved. We didn't. We had no allegiance to a team. It's just whatever team Wayne Gretzky is on is our favorite hockey team. (laughs) Excellent. That's pretty good. Turns out he's yeah he's kind of a blowhard conservative like love Stephen Harper kind of guy. Yeah. Which is and his wine isn't very good. No, it isn't. You're on blast, Wayne Gretzky. (laughs) Wayne Gretzky's always a little bit on blast. The Chardonnay is like fine. Fine, All Chardonnays are fine. <laughs> you can mix any Chardonnay with a little bit of seltzer, and you're like, this is this fine. This is fine. Honestly, I used to be super duper snobby about Chardonnays, mm-hmm. and then a couple of years ago, I was like, what's all the hubbub about? What's all the claptrap about this Chardonnay that people <laughs> are talking about? And I started really getting into it, and I learned that, uh, and there's probably a bunch of wine people that really disagree with me, but there's like a dollar value there's like one thing which is like the dollar value of a Chardonnay. You get above a certain dollar value and you're like, oh, this is really good. <laughs> yeah. Which is fine. It's just, that's just wine, I guess. But 20 bucks? Or a little more even. A little okay. more than that. Okay, but okay. on the other side. Because I've had some there's, good There's wine more than $20. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's for special occasions. But, <laughs> but on the other side, there's like, if you read the label and sidebar, why doesn't anybody explain fucking wine on their label anymore? Yeah. Like you read a label and it's like the terroir is excellent. We're a family that makes wine. The Ooh. end. And you're like, I need Tell me what it tastes like. Yeah. T- t- ah, help. Right? Yeah. I like it when they say it's like, it has flavors like this and it pairs well with these things. Exactly. And it's dry or it's sweet yeah. or it's sparkling or yeah. it's on fire. Yeah. Currently. <laughs> yes. I love that on fire one. A mineral, whatever. Spicy. It's <laughs> too spicy for me. <laughs> as soon as you see butter, mm-hmm. as soon as you see like 12 months in French oak, yes. you're like, it's just going to be good. This That's is for the, Chardonnay this notes. Is the thing. It's Chardonnay the, notes. It's the oaked, Chardonnay notes. oaked versus unoaked. I think unoaked Chardonnay is hot garbage. It's yeah. really not good. So oh, really? one, yeah. it's a one. You like it oak. Yeah. Yes. So the Chardonnay that's oaked is like, yeah, it's got the vanilla, the cinnamon, the like, not cinnamon, but like, yeah, buttery. If they ever say popcorn, it's a dude. Yeah. So, too. so yeah. we're saying, we're saying oaked or broke, basically. Yeah. yeah. If you don't like oak, you just don't like Chardonnay, and that's cool. Yeah. There's so many other wines. I love, I want all of my wines to taste like trees. There mm. is a Chardonnay or from. minerals. Yeah. There's a Chardonnay from Incomeep Cellars that I think is like one of the best. Yeah. And it was it wasn't even that expensive. I think it was like eighteen bucks, but I could never find it anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it is such a good flavor. And I I remember 
making, I think for you, a little special treat where I made like for a, me? it was like a cracker with oh, brie and yes. then toasted pine nuts with a little yep. bit of maple syrup on top yep. as the pairing to go with it. And fuck damn, was it ever good. Fuck you know damn. what? <laughs> That's some motherfucking friendship right there. <laughs> you yes. made our friendship pie. Yeah. That's, That's what you did. It's a yeah. tiny, tiny pie. Yeah. yeah. Tiny, tiny but pies. you know, you go, you want to treat, dad. you want to treat your best lady. Fuck yeah. Oh. <laughs> See, you know what? You, I never understood this thing of people feeling like they, they should treat their loved ones like crap because they trust each other to treat each other like crap. Mm. I feel like you treat your besties like your oh, besties. Well, we can unload on each other, but we also I don't think we treat each other like shit ever. Oh, no, 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 yeah. no, no. Sometimes it's like, you're my feelings bucket right now. Yeah. But there's an understanding and a reciprocity We also there. have boundaries yeah. about feelings bucket time, too, because I can say to Katie... I'm at work, so no. Yeah, or like, <laughs> you know, I'm really tired. I do not have the spoons. Like, I don't have the space in my bucket because it's full of my own crap. So crap bucket. I need crap to bucket. empty out my own crap bucket first before you can fill it <laughs> with your crap. Yeah. Slop it out behind the woodshed. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's a really gross metaphor. Throw it on the summer squash. But Just feelings are disgusting, so it's cool. <laughs> Some friends of my uh, husband's, uh, one friend in particular who shall remain unnamed, uh, when he was growing up, his, his dad was like, if you have a feeling... You take it, you put it in your feelings box, and you bury that shit in the ground. Oh, no. And it came out as they were sort of chatting many years ago, and it's become a sort of, like, shorthand for, like, too many feelings! Throw them in the feelings box! And put bury them in the ground! <laughs> and there was a... At this point in time, they were um, ski patrolling, so there was a like a suggestion box does. on the wall that they started labeling the feelings box. So, you know, <laughs> I always find it kind of funny. You take those feelings, you stick them in a box, and you bury them in the ground. I'm masculinity like, is great, and there's no problems with it at all. <laughs> I think that when people think about toxic masculinity, that makes a really good, you know, and not that that is toxic, it's like, but do you have the damaging. It to is us. toxic, though. It's, it's very much. It's like you have yeah. a barrel of toxic waste and you bury it under the yeah. ground, and then yes. no one will ever. It'll be fine. It'll but be it's totally like fine. that shit leaks and it poisons everything around like it. Yeah. Guess hella indigestion of feelings. Yeah. Guess you like blew a gasket on that this week uh -oh. and uh, just gushed out a lot of feelings. Was <laughs> this guy right over here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know about this. This was like I went to I went to therapy because I love therapy and it's really good and important. After good. like this has been a really. I keep saying everything is a growth year because <laughs> it makes me feel better about everything feeling like shit. And this is like yeah. a growth um, season of many years. But, Amen. however, the last six weeks, eight weeks have been this neat mix of challenging and rewarding in mm -hmm. such a way that I like have felt a little bit healed in some capacities. And so go. I went to therapy with that in mind going like, Hey, all of these things for me have changed a lot in the last few months. Cause I'm doing things differently. And I just started bawling, like just like leaking, like a constant stream of tears down my face. I wasn't sobbing or anything. It was just like, I can't stop this. This is just like coming out of my face mm -hmm. at record speeds. Like I probably went through 25 Kleenexes in a half an hour. Just let it run, man. Just letting it rip. And the, <laughs> my counselor was like, uh, this is like a really important moment right now. Like this is wild for me. Like mm -hmm. I'm here with you experiencing this and I'm really taken with it. Like I'm going to be affected by this for a while. And I was like, okay, this is, I don't know what's going. I literally still don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. It was a very strange, very intimate experience. Uh, and I felt very light since then. That's like excellent. I like threw a gunny sack full of gross feelings and yeah, well that's the bucket emptying. <laughs> yeah, but, but it didn't bury it. You know, yeah. it just I just poured it out. Like mm -hmm. so, yeah. Because uh, it turns out I think it, maybe you have a limitation on how many buckets you get. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and you have to learn to dump them out instead of just putting a lid on them and burying them in the ground. Because you only have, like, say, six buckets. Yeah. If you bury them all, you're going to die. Your fuck bucket (laughs) runneth over. Yes. (laughs) That's no good. This is a very clumsy metaphor, but that was, yeah. So I experienced that as, like, a... It felt like a bucket of crap was being tipped over and all the crap was coming out. And it if felt ever, weird. If you've ever had like a horrible cyst or like a horrible abscess, I'm patting my arm as if it's in your arm or something, but like if you've ever had an abscess and like the hot, feverish pressure mm-hmm. that you just get used to, and then all of a sudden you avoid that shit and it's just like a wave of relief. When it pops. <laughs> <laughs> and it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Just disgusting. like feelings. Yeah. But you have to do it. Yeah, and then yeah. suddenly it's just like, oh, all that pressure is gone. Yeah. Well, did that. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, I've been reading two books that were really good. One was, um, I think, I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but Emily Nagoski's Come As You Are. Have you mm. heard of this book, no. both of you? It's a, um, it's like a pop science book about uh, quote unquote female sexuality. They're very, the uh, author is very upfront about it being like, this is like pretty much a cis woman's book, um, but it also definitely applies to trans people because all human beings have basically the same matter that makes up their bodies and their genitals. It's just all arranged a little bit differently. So mm-hmm. like anything could apply to anyone, but here are some like cultural developments of behavioral patterns and like emotional patterns and things. Mm-hmm. So it was very interesting to read. But the one thing that I really took away from the whole thing was that emotional cycles need to be completed. You that's, that's the don't bury it. You have to like let the whole feeling happen and not stop it and get to the end of it and then you can move on but it's when you stop trying to deal with them that it turns into like long-term trauma mm-hmm. Beca- or like things that that just will come up and you have no control over basically that, calcify, that can just like right? yeah it can calcify get get larger can metastasize those mm-hmm. kinds of things so that was a really good takeaway it was just kind of like hey when you have feelings and you're having judgments about those feelings you'll stop you'll try to stop having those feelings which means that you'll have those feelings way longer mm-hmm. so don't judge yourself, just feel them, get it out, mm-hmm. live your life. Yeah, I felt that there's been a few experiences this week where it's just like, I just have to say this so that I say it, because otherwise it's like sitting in my chest for a really long time, so yep. then you just say the thing and it comes out and then it's like, oh great, okay, well then I, now I'm not mad about that anymore. And mm-hmm. even if like the other person that hears it doesn't even do anything about it, it's just that it was heard as enough sometimes for it to be like, okay, it's actually not as big of a deal mm-hmm. as I thought, but I yeah. just have to say it. yeah. And then it's like, oh, okay. Now it's out in the light and, you know, that kills the mold and all of that. <laughs> so many metaphors. <laughs> or it's out in the light and then, and if there is a next time that it raises up, it it sort of lays the ground for you to say something in the moment instead of reserving your mm-hmm. commentary until you've had a chance to think it all the way through. True. I don't know about yourselves, but I have learned um, after a long time of trying to work on this that my reactive commentary is is honest but not constructive Mm. and my uh more shaped and mulled over commentary is more constructive but not always as honest Hmm. and there's there's time and reason for both of those things but if you can say the thing when you've had a second to think about it and shape it in a way that builds relationship instead of tearing it down Mm -hmm. then the next time if you do have to snap about it or if you do have to say something right in the moment kind of reactively you can say that's what I was talking about maybe don't fucking do that and they're like oh (laughs) shit I'm doing that thing that is really 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 good layers right like we we think I think that there's like a one step plan for things like that if we have a breakthrough then we're done and it's not it's like 
millions of layers of sediment of mm-hmm. you know emotional foundation, right? I uh, I used to see a psychologist who did a, a thing called EMDR. I can't remember oh. if we talked about this. Oh, uh, not maybe not with you, but yeah. we've talked about it on the podcast. Oh, we talked about man. it last week. In fact, really, Lauren, or she was talking about tapping, tapping, tapping yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, EMDR has a similar yeah, physical thing. Or, yeah, or, uh, I did a little bit of that after some yeah anxiety stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's fucking great stuff. I did a, f- a year of it once a week, and it's like wow. tectonic shifts in your fucking body. And the whole thing about it is this idea that you only have so much room. And I think it's a really great metaphor for people to think about because they forget the fact that they forget the fact that your experience and your emotional, I don't know, your emotional health is cumulative, right? Mm-hmm. You don't get to just say, well, I already had that feeling. I don't want to have it anymore. You know you what can't happens? Damn it. I know, right? <laughs> like you're looking at your punch card and you're like, fuck this shit. I've already done that. I'm at 10. I'm at 10. I get a free one. I've had 10 feelings. <laughs> right? Is that, that meme about the like quote, the. <laughs> Do you need a pen, my darling? <laughs> Katie's running Katie's around Katie's just like pen. skulking around. There's one behind you too by the picture frames. Writing so many pens. But yeah, like, so the way he explained it is if you have a filing cabinet and your filing cabinet is really designed to um, have all your feelings and experiences and self-belief and knowledge and experience and physical feedback and all those sorts of things... If you take flat pieces of paper and put them in a filing cabinet, you know, A, you have a way of finding them again. B, they fit. You can fit so many more things into there. And C, you don't, like, they don't kind of get all garbled up and Mm -hmm. and misfiled when you kind of ignore them and put more things in there. Whereas if you take a piece of paper and you ball it into a fucking ball and you walk across the room and you chuck it into an open drawer and maybe it fits in the drawer and maybe it doesn't, it's going to take a very small amount of time for you to get filled the fuck up. Mm -hmm. And so when you get to the end of that, shit starts to overflow and that's when you lash out. That's when you have, you know, anxiety bubbling up. It's Mm -hmm. when you start to have, you know, triggering moments in your life where you're like the smell of, you know, Hubba Bubba Bubblegum turns me into a fucking wreck, or like one time I remember the smell of Old Spice and now I can't leave the house, or whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. And it was a really interesting metaphor to think about that because we think of feelings as these sort of like massless, amorphous, theoretical things. And you're like, no, it's, it's like a geometric thing that you have a certain amount of space for. Everybody's drawer is a little bit different, but when that shit starts to overflow, you have to go in and pick them up. Like anybody who's cleaned out that drunk junk drawer that everybody has, the drunk drawer, the drunk, you know, it's also that. Yeah, (laughs) that's my back. Some some of us have like one of those drawers. Some of those, some of us have like seven of those drawers. Mm -hmm. But you open it up and you have to pick up things one at a time and smooth them out and go, where does this go? And that's EMDR. That's you just pick up a thing, you look at it, you have a sort of like. you call a it? neutral physical experience while you're trying to remember not it? Not remotely no? neutral. Oh, it's okay. one of the most violent physical experiences I think I've oh, ever wow, had. really? Because the cognitive process of it is that you open up the target, we call them targets, um, you open it up, you look at it, you explain it to your facilitator or psychologist or whatever they are, and they ask you a series of survey questions. And the survey questions are really benign and unloaded. They're mm-hmm. like very benign um, the questions are, I seem if I can remember all of them, um, what is the negative self-belief you have about yourself in this situation? Like, if you mm-hmm. could sum it up into a short sentence, what do you think this thing says about you that is negative? What would you rather mm-hmm. believe? Um, 
what feelings are you getting related to that thing? Is it fear? Is it guilt? Mm -hmm. You know, and at the beginning, you like you have a couple of sessions where you kind of get just a baseline reading of all of your emotions, and you kind of like you adjust them like an EQ, which as a musician that really appealed to me, the mm -hmm. idea of like re returning everything to zero as much as you can mm -hmm. so you can decide how susceptible you are to anger versus susceptible to guilt, susceptible to sadness, susceptible to grief, all those protective emotions. And then you unpack each individual target, you find out what the negative emotions are, what the negative belief about yourself is, mm -hmm. what you would rather believe, if there is a physical manifestation, where you feel it in the body yeah. and how strong it is yeah. from one to ten. And sometimes it feels like you're having a fucking heart attack, to be totally honest. Mm -hmm. uh, the first couple of sessions I had, my eyes after it, because it, it triggers the way that your eyes track back and forth in traumatic experiences and like crumple up that ball of the experience yeah, and just like it, shove it in the back of your brain. It helps with the you. like fight, flight, or freeze. And I'm a freeze person. And that's like trying to unlock that frozenness. Is yeah. Like, yeah. So the memory, you explain it to the practitioner and they sort of like reflective listen things back to you and they sort of like summarize things and then they say, okay, so just think about that, you know, seven out of 10 tight feeling you get in your chest and that rolling nausea you have in your belly and feeling that, you know, guilt or that sadness or whatever. And they, they will either use a finger or some people use a tracking light because you're not really supposed to touch patients, but mm -hmm. in this therapy, it, you can like tap their knees or things like that. I always preferred tapping on the knees and they'll just tap back and forth. And you just think about the experience. Like you think about the target that you're thinking of and as you tap you start to just randomly daydream because that's what the mind does it just like thinks of random shit mm -hmm. so you're like okay this is not a real example but let's just say it for an example uh trigger warning this is a very violent image um let's say you were in a room and you saw somebody shoot your mother in the face mm -hmm. okay so you think about the experience of shooting your mother in the face the negative self-belief is i should have done something what you would rather believe is I was a child and it's not my fucking fault. Mm -hmm. Okay. How strong is it? Let's say it's an eight out of 10. You've got rolling guilt in your gut and your chest feels tight and you can't breathe. So you think about not being able to breathe and how tight that is. You think about the experience and then something's going to come up and you're going to be like tap, 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 tap. And he'll pause or she'll pause or they'll pause for a second and go, okay, what'd you get? And you go, I'm remembering the cover of a VHS cassette that has Goonies on it. And you're like, okay, think about Goonies. So you think about Goonies, tap, tap, tap. Think about Goonies, you think about, hey, you guys. <laughs> you think about... Truffle, shuffle. Oh, truffle, shuffle. You think about all those things, and then it reminds you of Stand By Me, and you're like, what are you thinking about? Think about Stand By Me. Okay, think about Stand By Me. So you're thinking about Stand By Me, and you're thinking about Motown music, and then you're thinking about Jackie Wilson's Higher and Higher, and you're thinking about how fucking awesome the snare drum part in that is. <laughs> and then he goes, what are you thinking about? And you're like, snare drums are fucking dope, especially when they're like super small piccolo snare drums. He's like, okay, think about snare drums. Tap, tap, <laughs> tap, tap. And sometimes it's like five steps, and sometimes it's like 20 steps. And you go tap, 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 and eventually you get back to the room. And so what it does is it tricks your brain into following the trail of breadcrumbs that if you think about like hungry, hungry hippos style, your brain just goes, ah, we can't deal with this shit when you're having that experience. And it just like grabs a big arm load of sensory information, yeah. packs it up into a rolled up ball, shoves it in a drawer, and you either don't remember all of it or you have it unprocessed and all sorts of things. And so then you get back into that moment and then you can see it happen. And cognitively speaking, it's happening in real time in your mind and in your body. Mm -hmm. So EMDR is insane because you have to actually have the experience again, mm -hmm. which is what makes it really 
very, very difficult because if you were in the room and your mom got shot in the face at whatever age, you're going to be in the room and your mind and your body are going to be like, yeah, I'm watching my mom get shot in the face again. Mm -hmm. Or I'm being raped or I'm whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And then you manually decide what you want to think instead. And you, like, bake it in the way that a dentist cures your filling. Like, Mm. layer by layer, cure, layer by layer, cure. You just bake in what you know as an adult and what you can decide in this sort of, like, completely opened up state in your brain. And you just fucking reprogram yourself. And the facilitator's, like, repeats your belief back to you. It wasn't your fault. You're a child. How could a child ever do, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and then like layer by layer. And then they do a closing thing to make sure that you're not walking out, like spread open, like mid open heart surgery. Okay. Go walk in traffic. (laughs) The first, the first session I ever had, my eyes were so sensitive that my therapist's office has this gray carpet with two red bars on. And it was so like, my eyes hurt so much, which was really weird because he was tapping my knees, but, the same process it was like they were sticking out a foot and like beaming laser red vision into my eyes they were so bright and I was in such a daze that I went out and I was going to walk home or walk to a bus or something afterwards and I went to like step across Richard Street and a truck was like right past me and I'm like I need to take a break Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I turned around and I went to a blends or something like that. I think it was a coffee shop. It was a, a blend. A blend. A blend. <laughs> um, behind those plosives. Blend. Plosives. Uh, and I like had a hot chocolate. And I like, I sat it down in front of me and like just sat there haggard looking at it for probably about an hour and was like, can I understand hot chocolate? Can I, do I, how do I feel about hot chocolate? <laughs> and after about a year of that, he was like, okay, like, you're done. It's not like you're d- you're done for now. Mm-hmm. Let me know when something horrible happens to you. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep great. meaning to call him up. And <laughs> <laughs> that was like, oh, oh man, it's super effective. But like anything, like I don't think anyone would say that a root canal is a real enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. If anyone's yeah. ever had a root canal, mm-hmm. you feel fucked right the fuck on up mm-hmm. after a root canal. A few days later, you're like, okay, I can chew carrots again. Sweet. (laughs) Dope. When you describe that, I'm like, huh, what my person said EMDR was, was not that. Uh, yeah. Really? What did they say? She just did like a little, and I, yeah, basically it was like a short, it was like, we're going to do two weeks, and I held these little vibrate things in my hands, like little, like, electric and they go buzz, 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 and they kind of yeah. did that. But we didn't really get into, like, it was a work-related specific incident that I was trying to kind of process. And then, there, but there wasn't really any, like, sur- it was just think about that and we're just going to, like, buzz the things. Yeah. There was not really replacing it with anything. <laughs> there was not really, like, talking through, anyway. I was just like, I don't think she's doing it right <laughs> Well, or, I mean, or it wasn't the right <clears throat> process for me, and I didn't really like that person. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah. it, it, practitioner it didn't, fit is it, the most important yeah. thing. Hell yes. Yeah. Most Hell important. yes. Mm-hmm. So that it didn't wasn't um, helpful to you? Not really. But I was just like, mm, yeah, I'm done. Okay, fine. But then I've been, yeah, sometimes things pop up still from that, yeah. that thing. The but, thing that's really interesting is the, the process of thinking about it. I mean, so like tapping back and forth. Your natural response, like a human response, is to like look to the source of the mm-hmm. 
which is why, you know, rubberneckers, when there's an ambulance or a car accident or something like that, A, people are garbage, but also <laughs> it's just a natural human response, mm-hmm. right? Of like, look to the source. You can't the, look away. Yeah. can't look away, right? And so like the tapping triggers your eyes. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like opening up that mm. hard drive in your mind where all that stuff is stored, that filing cabinet. But it's interesting there was a different approach for you. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that appealed to me the most about EMDR is that I'm not a particularly fluffy person. Mm-hmm. So the idea of like lying on a fucking couch and talking about like going yeah. all Freud, I can't imagine a greater waste of my time <laughs> and money and frankly emotional energy because I don't have so much. Like shit is busy. Life is full. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking garbage storm out there every time you look you know, in any media or anything like that, mm-hmm. you're having to constantly sort through what you think all this stuff means and to go and lie on a couch and mm-hmm. be like, I feel sad. Let's not, <laughs> I know I feel sad. Let's fucking move on. Let's do something about it. Yeah. Right? And so the, the active and the sort of clinical format of, of mm-hmm. what I experienced made a lot of sense. I, I'd be, I like that. I'd be curious to see what would happen if someone with a more, formal clinical yeah because if if you were to have that experience yeah the person that i went to is like much more of like a counselor like that did like work safe stuff gotcha and then she's like oh maybe we could try this i don't think that she really was like that was her main thing like i think it was like oh well maybe try this flavor and i was like "Mm, don't like it Mm. yeah Tastes yeah. like licorice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like licorice. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're very weird. That's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I did it very briefly with a psychologist, but she, I had such a bad fit with her that it was. The, I mean, the EMDR was no no negative part of the experience, but she was just a terrible. She was very aggressively Christian, and that wasn't like boo. Yeah, well, I mean, to f- have your faith or whatever. But she told me I was immoral. That's not the space or time for Wait, that. Wait, what? Yeah, I, I saw. This was like back in. I want to say 2006 or 2007. It was like when I was having my little nervous breakdown. <laughs> my, just a little one. Just a teen, Just a little just, baby just one that smooch. lasted like a whole year. <laughs> cool. Aww, chicken little. Chicken little. Aww. Yeah. But I want to be a pie. Oh, that's the way. Sorry, that's chicken run. <laughs> <laughs> Different chicken. Yeah, you know, and yet so similar. So, and yet so similar. <laughs> it's like all chickens is the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I, but I think if I had any more traumatic experiences, then I would probably go back and do that because now I'm like I'm not I'm not gonna let things ferment inside of my body anymore. No, no, no. Not yeah. so interested. Oh, it makes you so sick. Yeah. Physically, yes, very sick. It's funny because like the the I've been very emotionally honest for the last few years and I haven't gotten sick like at all, pretty much. Yeah. I don't know if there's any connection to that, but I've just been like, oh, I'm upset. Well, stress dampens your immune system. It's true. That's yeah. just real. So. Yeah. I think the other thing that's really interesting just. Not specifically speaking about spirituality, because it's it's a I do think it's actually a a natural human need. Like we have to organize things in some way, and mm-hmm. I always find around season time, I you know everybody goes into season like time when, when there's like a, cha- a change so, of seasons. Yeah, the yeah, season change time. There's shifts, and people need to find ways of organizing the changes in their body, the changes in their emotional. You're becoming you know, an autumn now. Exactly. My darling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, ooh, spring's coming. It's horny time. Yes. <laughs> and how it's do a very how, horny time. How do we fit that into our day-to-day lives? <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, like spiritual beliefs have always been the means by which we organize that, you know, but we have options now. It's no longer sort of like designated. I mean, massive caveat, yes, we're, <laughs> we're still in a derivative Judeo-Christian system. <laughs> Hashtag still in the system. But... <laughs> 
But the, I think the difference is that people are choosing in their own personal lives in as much as people can within a system to choose to pursue whatever it is they want or mm-hmm. don't want to, to see. So I think in, in a space that is a clinical space, the practitioner's, the practitioner's spirituality has absolutely no business being there. Yeah. If it is helpful to you as a practitioner to order your own mind fucking fill your boots but leave the fucking boots outside thank you very much (laughs) you're gonna get crap on my carpet that's not cool (laughs) she's sitting back like forever i would never dream of going into a clinical space and lecturing someone about being a christian not in a million years richard dawkins is kind of an asshole about this sort of shit right (laughs) you get to believe whatever you want including nothing but the line stops at your front door man yeah Right? So, like, somebody in as vulnerable a position as that makes me feel punchy. Yeah, like, I was, like, I want to say probably this was, like, 12 years ago, maybe? Oh, like, I was probably 21 or 22. It sucked. It, was, it really sucked. Um, yeah. And now I have an amazing therapist that I love, so. Yes, I'm so glad you have that. So it's good. Um, yeah, and I like to be, I like to be, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very proficient at talking about my feelings, and I can bullshit because of that, because um, I can talk about anything. Mm-hmm. And I can just, you know, obfuscate what I'm actually there for very, mm-hmm. very easily. And Hashtag this one, stand-up skills. Yeah. And this one, <laughs> this one, don't let me do it. So I kept trying to like deflect when we're, we're having a really authentic emotional experience. And I was like, can I please deflect this with humor? She's like, no, <laughs> no, you can't. You have to stay in this moment. I was like, oh, I hate it. <laughs> She's like, I know you do, but stick with it. <laughs> but I kind of love being told what to do in a therapeutic situation like that because... Because often I'm just like, what do I do? And if someone's like, here's some homework, I'm like, thank you very much. May I have another? (laughs) It's really funny. I teach singers and there's a, a, not a counselor, but (laughs) there's some parallels there. Because it's it's body work. It's physical. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the idea of what is for you and what is not for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And which body is a good body and which body is a bad body because if the sound comes out of your body only good bodies make good sounds and bad bodies you know what? <laughs> don't try it's... to sing out of your butt <laughs> I ask people to try to sing out of their butts because then you breathe low enough <laughs> Kristen Chenoweth says sing out your hoo-ha sing out your hoo-ha sing from your hoo-ha seriously look yeah, at there's that like, there's like four inches Chenoweth, between her man. mouth and her hoo-ha she's she so small she is like a walking Bratz doll her she's head is so... massive because <laughs> cheekbones and jawline <laughs> and then the rest of her is like Four and a half pounds, she's but so she's small. like she's like all really wiry and like she's made of pure animal aggression and hairspray, and I fucking love her so much. <laughs> that's that's Easter from American Gods. Oh yes, she's so good. I was thinking about that the other day because it was just Easter. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but she like. You get into a room and you try to make these funny sounds that you've never thought of before, and you're trying to make it easier, which seems like you are getting away with something, or you're not doing the work you're supposed to, or you're lazy, and that mm-hmm. means you're bad, and that means that everybody who ever thought you were bad is right, and <gasps> blah, 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 blah. And it's not a spiral. Not totally. It's an immediate spiral because you are so in touch with your body when mm-hmm. you're doing it, and I'm like, lie on the floor and breathe. And People that I love, people that I adore, have come to see me, have, and this is zero judgment, I completely understand and take no offense or judgment to this, lying on the floor for 15 minutes with your knees bent, a book under your head and your hands on your belly, just trying to memorize the feeling of breathing easily. People melt the fuck down. Mm. They lose it. And they're like, fuck this shit. I'm not doing it. Get me out of here. And it's a really interesting, very violent response to just communing and being like, 
calling a truce with your body, right? I don't know if it was Rupi Kaur or who, I can't remember the name of the poet, but there was like a meme that was floating around for a long time and it absolutely like cut me right in my insides. It said, and I said to my body, I want to be your friend. And my body sighed and said, I've been waiting my whole life for this. This That's Ruby Kaur. Yeah. yeah. Just this idea of calling a truce, mm -hmm. of being like, it's a good body. It is a good body. It can breathe. It gives me life. It kind of carts my ass around. Like, I just love this idea of finding places where you go and you're like, time out. We're good in here. Like, shit is fine. We're okay. Mm -hmm. We're okay regardless of what we look like, what our shape is, what we do in our personal life or love life or any of those sorts of things. Everything is cool. I am in 100% with my body, right? And it's an, a brutally difficult thing for everybody to do. Like, I think mm -hmm. it's a, a uniform kind of thing. And I think those, like, being at war with the self struggles, we had these ways of, like, externalizing it, of, like, making it a conversation that we had with God. Or it was, like, a conversation that we had in temple. Or it was, like, a thing at every time of the year. Mm. We would have, you know, like, a day of atonement where we were, like, all this horrible... Burn the outsider in the wicker man. Totally! <laughs> right? We had... Not the bees! We had things that we did that that regulated and gave us a time where if we're like, I'm feeling shitty, all I have to do is wait till Yom Kippur and I can say what I really feel, mm -hmm. right? And so the secular person doesn't Shlomo's have... Shlomo's gonna get it this year. We're <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's really about being open and, and saying, I fucked up and I'm sorry, right? And the, the secular person, we haven't found that thing that takes that place and people desperately need it. They have mm. to find ways of organizing what they mean and i think that's the misconception god I'm, i love this i'm a just a lot like, of ground today friends <laughs> feeling it feeling it vibing there's it. all i'm so hung up on this right now there are so many ways of looking at a secular life and i think that the easiest one is to say that you don't believe in anything so you believe that everything is nothing mm -hmm. and that's not the same thing i as a secular person try to make every single iota of my life meaningful because I don't have an external script to sort that shit out for me. I don't have a manual. I have the manual that is baked into my culture. Whereas other people just have a manual. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, um, <psh>, dominus. <laughs> but you don't, you don't have that I don't know, I don't, I don't have that thing that I'm like, okay, it's, you know, April whatever. It's April 6th today. Today is the day that I'm supposed to pause for a second and, like, commune with the garden and be glad that there are greens. And there are going to be people around me sharing this cultural experience and we can exchange information about this cultural experience that helps us understand ourselves and our culture and our community and therefore we can decide who we are and what we mean and we can make sense of the chaos that we feel. Instead, we have just chaos all the time and trying mm -hmm. to figure it out. <laughs> so I've been thinking strongly about trying to find the places where you get, quote, close to God, are the places you can go that feel like a temple for a secular person. Because there's been a couple of centers that opened up that it's like a non-denominational reflection temple, and they're all kind of like... Just a room or whatever. It's just like a conference room, basically. It's just like an empty like room at a there's Delta. A, there's a good question for <laughs> uh, for us uh, to ask ourselves, is uh, what, what kind of secular space feels like that to you? Yeah. I'm curious. So I thought about it. Mm -hmm. 
And I realized that the closest thing that I have is the Orpheum Theater. Ooh. The Orpheum Theater is the closest I have to a temple. So husband and I often purchase, like, when there's, like, packs of symphony mm-hmm. tickets on sale, we make it, like, date night. So we choose the shows and we plan them out and we've got, you know, like, periodic dates stretched out throughout the year. And it means that we sort of commit to doing these sorts of things. And some years it's like, you know, there's a, a pack of... 12 pairs or 10 pairs of tickets for a certain amount or it's like four pairs of tickets or Mm. or that sort of thing or a pack of four and then we can buy two and it usually ends up if you were to go to the movies and buy popcorn and a drink it would be that price yeah so it's like 25 bucks basically 25 30 bucks because and there's no really bad seats when you're listening to an orchestra because it's all about just like i actually i actually like sitting because they had you know you could get um when you're a student cheaper tickets for the Orpheum and they'd put you right in the A section like mm. right at the front mm-hmm. and then I was like ooh but just as a grown up now like not being a student you can get the cheap seats way in the back I actually like that better mm-hmm. because then all the music is coming to you at once instead of like you have a soloist that's in front and then it's out of sync with the rest of the orchestra and like, yeah. yeah so yeah I like being in the back and you, awesome. cool and you get to see everything, and you get to see all the paintings on the ceilings back there. You yeah. don't smoke drugs at the Orpheum, Katie. <laughs> anyway, <don't>. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I don't smoke drugs at the Orpheum. I don't smoke drugs ever. They make me feel bad. Yeah, same. <laughs> really dark bad. Yeah. Um, but so sorry, I totally interrupted. No, you. that's okay. I love that. I love that. It's the closest thing I have to a, a temple. So when husband and I go there, we try to get there really early. As soon as the bar opens naturally. <laughs> and we grab a glass of uh, wine. And there's always some hot person behind the concession. I don't know why they have the hottest people working. This is for you, Orpheum concession staff. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> and thank you. Um, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Uh and it's, they're all working on living wage, so there's no tipping. I, I keep trying to convince them to let me tip because I want to tip, but they're like, we're not allowed. And I'm like, still take this money. Um, <laughs> and they're like, no. And I'm like, I'm just going to hide a toonie underneath the condiments <laughs> slash chocolate bars. <laughs> um, and we grab a glass of wine and we, f- we find a different spot to sit every time. Oftentimes we end up on the sort of walkway. So when you go into like the main entrance area to the Orpheum and there's like the two large staircases on the side and you can kind of like curl around and go on a walkway that overlooks the main mm-hmm. entry area. Mm-hmm. I love that spot yes. because you can see everything, but you're close enough to the ceiling that you can also see that in detail as well. And you look at it and you think some Buddy once of told me. Mother- <laughs> so sorry. The world is gone. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> You can see all these, like, leaf foils on the ceiling, and you go, these have been here for a long time. Somebody had to put those up there. Somebody had to make those first, mm-hmm. right? And they are irregular looking, so either they had a series of machine cuts that they made, or they had to make those things by hand. Mm. And there's, like, ten or so leaf foils on each flower, and in each shield there's four, I think, or five. I spent some time looking at the ceiling here. <laughs> And you think all of these, all of these bits of detail are there and it helps the room sound the way that it sounds, but somebody had to like take time and pour so much love into the ceiling of this place. And it just like rings with, A, it rings with the tradition of like, Chris, you probably can feel this 
Did you do classical music? No. No? Okay. <laughs> There's a thing about classical music that's a similar thing to, like, the military and things like that, where there's the positive side of it, which is, like, we have an order. There's, like, an agreed-upon structure that we have. The bad part about that is that it's a brutally colonial blah, blah, blah. But classical music is getting a facelift. So there's like all of these amazing female soloists. Mm-hmm. There's all these amazing female um, directors coming out. You know, the um, the audition process for the VSO has changed. Oh, okay. Are they doing blind auditions? They're now? doing blind auditions. Fucking blind auditions. <laughs> nice. So you just sit behind a curtain and you listen to how somebody plays because how they play is what matters, mm-hmm. right? Um. And so the demographic of the symphonies are changing. Oh, that's cool. And so w- when you go, it's still classical music and there's still a lot of blue rinse in the audience. <laughs> and the funding is largely by bequest. But you know what? It's it's adapting. It's happening. The change is happening in that community. And so it, as a classical kid, I can like sit in there and feel like it's my clubhouse and feel like it is my temple, but also feel like it is actually open. Because a price point has come to like mm-hmm. they did Paw Patrol live a couple of weeks ago. Oh, Paw Patrol! I was Paw like, Patrol! Pa- I was like, who's Paw Patrol? No, Paw Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's Paw like Patrol. Patrol Papa and I'm Smurfs, here to say, like estranged cousin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sidebar: I knew a woman who had a. I won't name her either. I know. I know a woman. She doesn't listen. <laughs> she may actually. Uh, she had a dildo named Papa Smurf for a long time. Oh no! Like, and she was demonstrating to somebody it. how um, bendy it was, and actually accidentally snapped the bar on the inside of it and like broke Papa Smurf. Aww. And so she gave it a burial. She buried it in a shoebox. She buried it in the ground. She and it shoved it down can. there. <laughs> she buried it in the garbage can. <laughs> but it, like it's it's the closest thing I think for mm-hmm. myself at least that I can get to it. A temple, like you go there and you feel part of something bigger, and I think the part of something bigger is about humanity, and I feel part of a bigger community there, and the the order and the um, like ceremony, ritual, that kind yeah, of stuff is still there. People really need ritual. Like spring is happening, and everybody knows that spring cleaning is a thing that sometimes oh, happens, and it's doing that, like, yeah, we've been crazy, doing it too. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, a, it's a natural thing to want Feels to do. Feels good. Mm-hmm. And if you have a thing in the calendar that's like, it's the house cleaning festival and everybody does it and everyone does a swap and it creates community, right? Yes. The secular world doesn't really have that, but I feel as though there's an option. I know. I see you circling on your notepad. What's your temple? I love this idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this question. Do you know What's what yours temple? is, Chris? Um, well, I was in the woods, uh, like on the North Shore, and Ed and I both realized that it's anything by moving water mm. is like the place that we're sort of the most peaceful. So like a lake just doesn't do it for me, <laughs> but something that the constant renewal and the constant movement and then the white noise that it makes is mm-hmm. just like the most calming. Mm-hmm. But like in terms of places where lots of people are gathering, like I'm just much more of a solo kid. Um, I'm a child. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So being by a river, but like everyone's walking the same paths in like the forest. Right. Like, there's bridges, and there's, like, all kinds of, like, it's the Capilano fish hatchery thing, and so everyone's kind of doing their own, like, walking their own little labyrinth or their own meditation, then you pass each other, and you smile, and you say hi, and there's dogs, and sometimes you wind up talking to people or not, 
and there's physical activity because you're going up hills and downhill, so it's kind of like a purgy feeling. So any of those North Shore trails feel really like mm-hmm. a spiritual experience, um, more so than going and walking by the ocean. The ocean's just like a nice place, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like walking in the woods with those like, and then they always just have the like mm-hmm. of the river. Mm-hmm. And it just like it blanks my brain, and it's really nice. So that's kind of the it's closest. Like going to a Zen temple or something. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Interesting. Because yeah, doing like a labyrinth is a spiritual thing. You just walk <coughs> around in circles and stuff like that, and meditate a little bit. So. Do you do you find that there are times of year, like particular? Do you do you notice a sort of pattern in the times that either you make time to go there or that you feel the urge to go there? Uh, yeah, spring and fall. Spring and fall. For sure. Cool. Shoulder yeah. seasons. Yeah, shoulder seasons. seasons, exactly. And so, like, fall is for the fishing ritual, though, too, because the salmon are coming in in that time. So we do a lot more, like, we walk through the woods and then scrabble down to the actual, like, shore. But in the spring, it's just walking and, like, looking for trails that we can then scrabble down in in the fall. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. What about you, Katie? Scribble, scrabble. Well, I think I have, I have a couple answers, um, one of them being, like, the social aspect of what church was like for me, because um, I, I went fairly actively in my teen years, and uh, I went oh, to, like, Bible know. camp and stuff, and I don't come from a religious family. It was just, mm-hmm. I don't know, it was an impulse that I followed. Uh, like, looking, f- I was looking for community very strongly. I didn't really have any. Uh, I was very lonely, and I had one friend who went to church regularly and, and took me to youth group. Uh, and, and that was really cool. Uh, I got a lot of really good stuff out of that in my life, like as, as negative as sort of, um, oppressive Baptist Christianity is, um, the community part was something that I really took away from that. And so the, the place that I feel that now and it is not every single time I go to do it, but like whenever I'm doing a comedy show and I'm like in a backstage area with other people, like mm. when I'm, when I'm in a place that only performers get to be, is a is feels like a little bit like temple to me because I, I I have others other people there and we're all like we all have the same level of clearance and we're all I always feel like I'm getting away with something a little bit like I'm like there is something Having sort access. of a little bit of sacredness <laughs> to the space uh, and, and to be part of like to know that that you are different than other people that are in the same building because you're in like a different room and you're all together with all those people maybe that's maybe makes me feel like a cardinal or something like that <laughs> but it's it's like this idea of togetherness and like uh we're here because we chose to be and we're here because we're we're the ones taking a risk kind of so mm-hmm. so that that's something that that feels very like um I don't know, like like being on a secret council or something like that is mm. it's, it's sort of fun. Cause, and we all do our own things, but we come together and we like gossip and talk about stuff. And it's it's fun. I really like it. Um, of course, that can be toxic too, but that's the same with temples. So mm-hmm. there you go. Um, but for me, like where's... It's not a it's not a singular place, you know. Like I think I, there are definitely places that I walk into. Like the uh, when I walk into the Vancouver Library, I definitely feel a sense mm-hmm. of awe. Mm-hmm. Um, just because number one, the architecture is beautiful. Um, Goddamn right, it is. Number two, it is just very physically intimidating architecture. Like it, it's very much like it looms, mm-hmm. um, but it also wombs. Like it's kind of scoops you in <laughs> a little I bit. I love that. Uh, so it's <laughs> it's. And wounds. There's something very um, all-encompassing about it. And so whenever I walk in there, I feel very, like, astounded. It's also the first place I ever met my wife. <gasps> so there is definitely... The Vancouver Library has a special... But it's just the entranceway. It's not necessarily the library itself. Mm-hmm. The library itself is, of course... Like, there's, it's so full of books, so that feels special. Mm-hmm. So libraries in general, yeah, but... libraries and, are really nice. I 
I get to go to the legislative library. That's like <gasps> there's so much wood, so many lamps. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, and like and they're the all green those... lamps with like yes! the green glass yes. and the brass. Oh, Sidebar. I'm so sorry. I'm interrupting. No. My husband. Did you know I have a husband? <laughs> I know. Could I please talk about him some more? Uh, he loves the lamp more than me. Like he loves the lamp. On such a deep, fundamental level, because it's in every movie, and you know you're watching a movie when the lamp is there. <laughs> I bought him a lamp one time for his birthday, and he, or maybe Christmas or something, and he was like... <gasps> like the green lamp. The, the lamp. lamp. There's only one. It's the lamp. It's the lamp that any guy who's like trying to come up with like equations in the 1940s is using on his desk. Yeah, the banker's lamp. Mm-hmm. It's me, Irving, and I'm doing equations. Yeah. <laughs> Here's legit, my lamp. It's the lamp. Legit, we'll be in a theater, and we're good theater goers. We don't talk. We don't make noise but or when anything you see like that. Lamp. He sees a lamp, and he like clutches my arm. He's like, <gasps> <laughs> he's so excited. It's like looking for the Wilhelm scream or something. Oh my! I hear it all the time. I hear that. Uh, I'm so, totally. No, no. Really this, is, this is how a podcast goes. <laughs> I, it is self-indulgent. You must indulge I, yourself. I hear repeated foley and it drives me crazy. I can't even imagine what, you know, like these awesome sound designers and stuff like that. I hear the Wilhelm scream all the time and I hear that piece of foley. I'm sorry, everyone listening. I'm about to ruin movies for you. Buckle up! Um, <laughs> whenever anyone opens a door, particularly if it's a dungeon door, it sounds like... The second I hear it, I'm like, did everyone just get the same 24-track sound effect CD from KTEL or something? There is, there is only on. one dolphin sound that exists. Yeah. And it's the same one. It totally is. It's like is. the dolphin Wilhelm scream, yeah, basically. Yeah, it really is. And the same breaking glass sound. So that's my favorite thing that happens. Yeah, that is what it sounds like. Yeah. That's my favorite thing in a movie is when somebody throws something that is not glass and it makes that noise. <laughs> And it's just very much just like a breaking the fourth wall in like a yeah. silly comedy film. That's like one of my favorite mm. things. Oh, and I, okay, so th- yes. temples. I have one more thing, which yes. is just when I am in a strange city by myself and I'm alone uh, mm-hmm. and I can go anywhere, do anything I want, that feels holy to me. Because mm-hmm. it's like putting a total amount of faith in myself to just decide how the day is going to mm-hmm. go and be totally responsible for that and um, and see something new and just like... The experience of seeing a new place on my own is um, really spiritual for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those are my things. There's a really interesting part of all of these places that I think is maybe the the thing, uh, which is larger than you. Mm-hmm. When you're in the woods and you're surrounded by this, like, awe-striking... And I was thinking about the woods thing. thing, too. It's that somebody actually, like, made and maintains all those trails and stuff. Okay. So it's not just walking in the woods on, like, a random... But, like, going on trails and you go on trail hikes or trail walks, you know, you do the coho loop. Yeah. Is the meditation. And it's like, this is for you. Yeah. And, like, or you do, like, yeah, all these different trails. Like, so in Gibson's, where I grew up, there's um, Cliff Gilker Park. And so it's like, yeah, you take the... R- sorry, what? Cliff Gilker Park. The Cliff Gilker. And it sounds like the sound like German when you, food. When you get a little bit of soda, like, down the wrong pipe. It def- no, it sounds like a Dutch delicacy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like, you take the red trail, or you take the blue trail, or you yeah. take the green one, and, like, you follow that path, and then it brings you back to the parking lot at the end, and all of them do. They're all yeah. different loops. I think I like that where it is actually somebody built that. And so that kind of goes into the cathedral thing or the library thing yeah. or the Orpheum, like, where, yeah, someone's taking the time to, like, craft yeah. this 
thing that you yeah. then all experience together. A prepared environment. Mm-hmm. A prepared space mm-hmm. designated for that purpose. Yeah. Mm. You, you, get, yeah. you get permission to go there and ask the big questions. You know, like, we don't, we don't, do you remember the idea that you're not supposed to talk about religion or politics at the table? Or money yeah. or, or sex. Or money or sex at the table, right? Mm-hmm. The, the idea that there are spaces for those conversations and spaces that you're not supposed to have those conversations. Number one, no. Number two, <laughs> come on, we're all going to die. Let's just get the shit out in the open. Yeah. But I We think, are? I know, right? <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> sorry. But, no stories. I don't want to. Uh, die. It's okay. I but I think I think the thing that is really interesting is that these these spaces are the place where you like you take down the walls and you go, oh my god, what am I gonna do? You know, you're allowed to be small. We're not supposed to be small, and we are fucking infinitesimal, mm-hmm. right? Barely registering as blips. So, the idea of being able to walk into a room and go, this is way fucking bigger than you, except it's for you. You're recognized yet shown how small you are but it's totally okay hmm. and you're, you're allowed blowing to, katie's noggin here you're allowed <laughs> to have this hat on it's keeping it all in no your brain matter we need that shit man it's gonna mess up this room real bad if oh, it explodes no! <laughs> you can't get the gray matter of the upholstery <laughs> <laughs> it's so expensive to dry cleaning oh dry cleaning the baffling <laughs> uh i don't know i think I think that that's why people listen to music, why people make music and all those sorts of things, but we can kind of like keep it at arm's length. We Mm -hmm. can like be cool and go to a live music venue and like be in the dark and hide from people. Although maybe that is some people's temple. Maybe that's where they feel designated connection time. Mm -hmm. But I feel, I feel when you go into a cathedral or something like that, like I, I was really interested in religion when I was younger as well. And I, I never really went to temple, but, um, one of my oldest and most dear, most just cherished friends, um, her family is Jewish, and, and I, we lived together a few times. And during the courses of time when we were living together, and from the time I was really little, I was always fascinated by Judaism. And I think it's because I read a book called All of a Kind Family. And it was like this family of like all these kids and all these people, and they, they just seemed like this functional, loving, idyllic, open family to me, which I was like, I like really envied that picture that I saw in the book whatever Mm. that thing was in my mind that I thought it was and so when I lived with her and her family we would celebrate high holidays and like this book all of a kind family they were a Jewish family as well and so it was the sort of thing where Judaism always made sense to me because everyone that I knew that was practicing Judaism was like reform or more liberal right Mm -hmm. and so when they were practicing it was like no 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 this isn't like a literal how-to manual we know these are all stories we exercise the need that we have to punctuate the passage of life through allegory. We know this shit is allegory. Do we think that there was lamp oil, blah, 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 blah. That's what the book says. Do we think that really happened? Probably not. But is it a nice story that helps us think about things that we're struggling with in our life? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's take it for what it is. It's a story written in a book. Let's fucking eat, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it made so much sense to me of going into something with your eyes open and being like, a burning bush? We're going to be excited. I'm, this is dangerous territory. 
my favorite Bible story <laughs> is the pettiest one, where Jesus gets pissed off that he, the bush won't give him fruit, and he, he sets it on fire. He, cur- he curses a fig tree. He's Fig tree, I'm so hungry. Dad, damn it! Dad, damn it! Yeah, dad, damn it! Right. So, like this idea that it all has to be so literal—that's not the point. The point is for it to not be literal. The Uh point is for you to be able to see yourself in it, and for the allegory to be presented that way. And so, the idea of going to temple always made so much sense to me because you're not going there necessarily strictly speaking to be with god i mean for some people they are there with god they uh-huh. they are there to be with capital g o d but for a lot of people i know like i know somebody who converted to judaism and as she was converting she's like i don't really believe in god is that a problem and the rabbi was like eh, you know <laughs> do you know I, are you are you joining a family are you going to the live? most jewish syllable too it's, <laughs> this, is how, this is how she re- reports the story but she's like you know i'm there to I'm there to, like, live a life with my family, and my family are all Jewish and I'm not, or my family that I'm about to have are all going to be Jewish, and I'm not, and I want to convert because I want us to, like, keep this mm-hmm. spirituality alive and this this part of life alive. And the rabbi was like, huh, you know, do, do you, you know? Do you, as long as, like, you're contributing good things to the community and you're participating in a way that builds community instead of like ripping it out from the inside go for it fill your boots right and so the idea of it being a realist pursuit you know like when i was growing up i i dated christians i only ever dated christians because i was attracted to conviction whatever that conviction was right Mm -hmm. people with strong beliefs people with passion i was like that is magnetic you're dumping me because I won't convert. <laughs> and you were cool with the makeouts. Uh, Not naming any names, you motherfuckers. <laughs> Crushing my little high school heart. Joshua and Ezekiel. And, <laughs> so, not gonna name any names. But, you know, like, the conviction part of it was, was magnetic. It's like, I get it. I completely understand. I feel like we need these things, and, and secular people don't have these organized it's not about organized faith it's about organized psychological organization mm-hmm. right the manual refiling in your life of where all your experiences go and like that's emdr right mm-hmm. that's that's why we go to therapy is why we do all those things we we want to make i don't know we want to organize this shit we want to figure out what it's all about I go to the Orpheum Man and I look up at the ceiling and I try to find little passageways and little seating areas that I've never been to before. And I listen to this like low, warm hum because the Orpheum sounds like a million dollars. (laughs) And I think about how people must have felt going into temples when temples were first built. You know, you're you're this tiny speck of a person in this massive auditory acoustic phenomenon built by people mm-hmm. designed to capture God in amber and let you look at it, right? What a fucking fantastic idea. I understand why people would get so affected in mm-hmm. a space like that and why would they would feel so close to it, you know? And for the secular person, I think it's really important to find those spaces because otherwise you just feel a little bit like flotsam, or at least I do. I mm-hmm. feel a little bit like flotsam. I need to find ways to like make sense of it even if the sense of it is that it's just a feeling and it's okay and it's going to pass 
or that it can serve me in some way or serve my loved ones in some way. So we'll find a way of getting closer to small G-O-D. <laughs> quote G-O-D, end quote. <laughs> that made my heart really happy. <laughs> what a great episode. Brad, do you have anything you want to promote? You want to flog that pony? I don't want to flog that pony. Um, well... If people want to take lessons with you or stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I would... I do. <laughs> I would... Look me up. Uh, I would I would love I'm people... Look, I'm looking at you. <laughs> look me on. Look at and on. Uh, I would love people to do two things. One, I would love people to sing along more to the radio. And if they want gotcha. a little bit of um, help as to how to be... Um, stronger voice and feel more awesome look me up uh i can never remember my own website vancouver singing teacher.com vancouver singing lessons i can't remember uh but if you look up redheartbreaker.com it'll redirect you to places redheartbreaker.com the other thing i would love you to do if you are a filmmaker is i want you to get in touch with me about your movies because I am very excited to say that I have been signed to an agency this Ooh. year for film composing at the oh, beginning yeah. of the year. It's super awesome. Core Music Agency, my agent Ari Wise and uh, Matt Safran are fucking awesome. Delightful, loving, warm, kind gentlemen. And I love them to bits. Um, they do awesome work helping me get wicked jobs, but I also want to keep an interesting influx of independent projects coming as well cool. so core music agency redheartbreaker.com come check me out even just to say hi just come say hi, hi. <laughs> little, visit. little online wave let's use the internet for good for once in our goddamn lives and no say hello I'm no go put toxic shit out there again. yay <laughs> yeah, I'm bad uh, I'm on at the foxhole on Wednesday I got bumped from last week so uh, I'm on this Wednesday Woo-hoo. 9 o'clock at the foxhole above the fox theater on main street sweet nice that'll be fun I have nothing to promote. Just uh, your face. Yeah. It's good. Uh, get engaged in politics. That's Ew. what I can promote to people. Yay! Yay! Don't forget to vote and things. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Take part. There's a lot of, actually, there's a lot of really interesting um, town hall meetings and a lot of municipal engagement at the um, Juno's Week this couple of weeks ago. um, There was a really great uh, full day set of workshops by Sound Sound Diplomacy and Creative Cities. Um, And um, they were talking about ways of, you know, making music and making the arts, but specifically music, um, more baked into how we interact on a municipal and political level. Mm -hmm. And there were some really great uh, observations from folks who do the same work in Seattle and Portland and a couple of other places talking about, you know, folding policies that benefit live music venues and musicians into things like real estate development and into zoning Mm -hmm. and things like that so there's a lot of really interesting town hall meetings coming up both because of that and some of the sort of uh, neighborhoods that are getting heavily gentrified at the moment they're having a lot of town halls Mm -hmm. so go to the city of vancouver website follow them on instagram and twitter and go go to some of those meetings weirdly they (laughs) they do actually listen to you if you go and sit definitely do yeah I can't say enough good things about Heather Deal. She was mm-hmm. in the room at this talk, and she was telling us about some of the things that she was doing and some of the, the arguments that she's making on behalf of the music community. And, you know, Bob Deeth was there as well, and he's now, you know, he's MLA, right? Mm-hmm. MLA? Yes. Uh, and he was, you know, doing the thing. So call them up. Call them up. Get in their face. Tell them to do things. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
great. <laughs> <laughs>